The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Well, well, Pure Hoops podcast, February 11th, 2021. Uh, I'm going with the cap today because it's just gray and dreary in New York. I'm tired of this and... I'll be on the left coast soon. How are you, my friend? Oh, I, I can't complain. I can't complain. Everything is good. Everything is good. And uh, I understand you guys got a little snow out east right now. And yeah, been, uh, well, let's get into your been... Celtics right now. Let's go right into your Celtics. Let's not even let's go. wait for you to sneak let's it go. in. Let's just no, let's go. Let's let's bring it. Let's 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 just bring it right to the forefront. Okay. Are you asking me questions today? Well, are I'm we not doing, asking anything. We, I just want to we, know what's going we, on. In, we, I want to know what's going, in, going on in what, what, What's going world. on is what's going on is this team will only be able to play consistent, high-quality basketball if healthy. And when you're in Utah on the fifth game of a five-game road trip, uh, I think two of the games Jalen Brown missed Kemba Walker struggling to find a rhythm and then Donovan Mitchell is red hot you don't have Marcus Smart in the fourth quarter against Donovan Mitchell you're you're in trouble and credit the Utah Jazz they're playing terrific basketball um the Celtics are searching for some consistency I like what they're getting out of some of their younger role guys um I think it's going to help them later in the year Grant Williams is uh is taking the next step forward. He's making the three. He's guarding multiple positions on the perimeter. Peyton Pritchard's back in the lineup, showing he can stick the the three-pointer, handle the ball, and compete defensively. And Kemba Walker is just getting slandered every day on Twitter, and I can't stand it, BJ. I can't What is going stand on? It. What is going on with Kemba Walker right now from your perspective as a – you, you're you're a basketball man. You're a lifer. You know we can go for the fan, and I get the fans come and go. Mm-hmm. But what is really going on with Kemba? Because he's a terrific young man. He's a terrific player, and you know your shot comes and goes. We all understand that. But what's really going on here with Kemba Walker? I think he's struggling to find a rhythm stemming from coming back from the knee injury. I think he's also struggling with who he needs to be on this team with the continued rise of Tatum and Brown and how he fits into that. I think that's something that's a work in progress. Who does he need to be? It's a great question. I mean, you often talk about the need for playmaking downhill point guard play, and he needs to be... Um, to me, he needs to be a floor general and a timely scorer. 
meaning when one of the Jays is off the floor, he's more aggressive and looking for his, especially coming off of that high pick and roll. Uh, and when both of those guys are on the floor, he's got to make sure they're getting the ball in the right spots and those guys are getting the opportunities that they need to make the biggest impact on the game offensively. Defensively, I've since Kemba Walker has been with the Celtics, I've been super impressed with how he competes defensively, but there's nothing that's going to change the fact that, you know, he's barely six feet tall on a good day with the right pair of Jordans on. And he's a target for the opposition uh, in terms of pick and roll and switchability. And, you know, he's stuck on guys that are way too big for him at times. And with Utah, credit them and credit the um, elite level of defense of of Rudy Gobert. When Daniel Tice left the floor and fouled out, uh, who's been shooting the ball very well, you bring Tristan Thompson in the game. And he's a screen and roll guy only. And Gobert was just waiting for Kemba and there were a couple of times where his presence uh and length really affected Kemba's uh ability to make plays get the ball up and over him and we're still seeing some some struggles there so that's Eric, uh, as a, that's where as, I'm at yeah as a as a as is, you know if we can just kind of generalize we're not saying it applies to everyone yep you know Kemba is what 30 now Kemba's 30, yeah. Okay, Kemba's 30. Where is he at physically? Is he is he healthy? Is he trying to get through it? Where is he at health-wise? Because he is reaching that age at 30, and for a guard, especially smaller guards, you know, that is roughly around the time where, you know, guards are going to have to change their game. Because, you know, every night they don't have the speed and quickness that they once had. And you begin to see that. So where is he at physically? Because he has had some injuries, some knee injuries. And is he fully healthy right now? I don't think he'd be on the court if he wasn't fully healthy. Well, I, I, I'd say this. But, but he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not himself. He's not in rhythm. So... You know, we but, talk but, about but this. But Eric, off- here, here's the thing. As and here's the thing that it's always interesting when you're younger and you take some time off, your body heals. When you start yep. taking time off, so that you can finish the season. <laughs> right. You right. understand where I'm saying here? Like, yep. He could play. But they thought it was in his best interest and their best interest so that he can be at as close to being himself fully again. So yep. I'll ask the question again in a very nice way. Is he fully healthy? Or is this something now that he's saying, I've rested as much as I could. It's not going to be any better. And now I have to learn to play with at 90% or I don't know where he's at. You understand what I'm asking? Yeah. 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 Is that a fair question? Because he has taken time off with the idea of healing and it doesn't seem like it's healing, healing and strengthening. It wasn't just sitting out. It was healing and strengthening. So, um, with limited to no practice time and the time off, I, I think he's, I think he's healthy. 
I just don't think he's fully playing up oh. to Kemba Walker's standard. Yeah, but who am I to speculate if Kemba Walker is fully healthy or not? You know, sure. Does does he have that? You know, ten out of ten explosiveness and shiftiness every night. No. Do we see it in spurts? Yes. Did we see it a few times on this road trip? Yes. Um, at the end of the day, he's just he's struggling to make shots. I don't think that means he's struggling to move, struggling to compete. Mm-hmm. The ball's just not going to the basket. Right. And, um, you know, obviously he's a huge part of their formula for success, and it's magnified that much more with with Marcus out because Marcus was averaging, you know, six. he's leading the team in assists. Six assists a game is a, is a big thing. And as erratic as Marcus Smart can be sometimes um, shooting the basketball, uh, he makes big shots for them, and he makes big plays for them. So uh, the Kemba struggle well, is that much more magnified without Marcus in the lineup, in my opinion. I had a coach once tell me, Eric, he said, don't let shooting and scoring dictate whether you play well or not. Great point. And if I could say something to Kemba, that would be the only thing I would say to him because he's too good of a player to allow himself to be in a position to where, well, he's not shooting well right now. Raise your hand if you're a shooter who haven't gone through tough stretches. But don't let that dictate whether or not you play well or not. Sure. And with this Celtics team, before we move on here, what are the realistic expectations that we should have with this Celtics team? When we've watched them now for, what, 25, 30 games? We've seen them play exceptionally well when their two young stars are there. Um, We know what Kimba has done based on his past and kind of player he is. Marcus Smart, Tristan Thompson, former champion. What are the the realistic expectations for this group? expectations based just on them or expectations also including the uh eastern conference field of play eastern conference bring it all eric you there's you have this team this team this team this team should make the conference finals minimum this team should make the conference finals in my opinion Moving right along. <laughs> you might think, listen, they were there last year. Listen. I think this team should make listen, the They were there finals. last year. Yeah. and But last year's a very but The Miami very Heat were also in right. the NBA Finals. Very and true. right now, they're currently, I, I, I don't even think they're in the playoffs right now. No, they're not. They're okay. Not. So. Are the Celtics better on paper than Milwaukee or Brooklyn or Philadelphia right now? No, but they could beat any three of those teams in a seven-game series. You may think differently from the smirk you're giving me after that no, really this is deliberate no sip of water. There's no smirk. Oh, yeah. There's oh, yeah. No smirk. Oh, it's a smirk. Oh, it's a smirk. Uh, it's no smirk. It. Yeah. And, and you know, this leads perfectly into... Um, the next segment of the show, and, and shout out Johnny L back with us today, producing. You know the Celtics have used the sixth most different starting lineups this year. I mean they are struggling 
to find chemistry and consistency. So, you know, I, I say I say conference finals in that way because, you know, you look at Brooklyn and Philadelphia to start, like they have some serious star power on those teams, right? But Brooklyn still has to defend Tatum and Brown and Kemba. And Philadelphia and Boston come to the table with different um, different types of strengths positionally and skill-wise. So uh, and this, the Celtics-Sixers matchups have always been uh, highly competitive in recent history and, and a bit of a chess match. So um, this team, if they don't make the conference finals this year, I will be disappointed. It waits to be That's seen. That's the expectation. I mean, That's exactly. The expectation. I, I, there's nothing I can say. We can go on the whole show about this. So let's just move on to the next segment. And Okay, well, the next segment is tied to this conversation, and it has to do with uh, consistency, and it has to do with the, uh, the records in the standings right now. And it's, um, you know, great job again, Johnny L, uh, presenting this to us. Surprisingly good teams are surprisingly healthy. So, you know, preseason expectations, win percentage versus starting lineup continuity. It's no accident the Utah Jazz have the uh, best record in basketball. Because they've had the same starting lineup for most of the season. Granted, it has to be the right group of players. But um, they're right there at the top. The San Antonio Spurs, who have we'll talk about a little bit more, are right there. The Lakers, the Suns, the Sacramento Kings, who a lot of people didn't think had what it took to even be in the playoff race, are at 500 basketball and right in the Who is this? Who did you just say? Uh, Sacramento. They've they've okay. they've had some chemistry. They've made some improvements, but then below that below that Mendoza line here, BJ, below that zero percent, or right on it, you know the Warriors, Draymond in and out of the lineup, Wiseman out of the lineup, uh, Milwaukee now is Holiday out of the lineup, the Celtics, the Nuggets have been missing players in and out, the Pacers with T.J. Warren out and now Karis Levert after the trade. Brooklyn, obviously, KD's missed games, Kyrie's missed games. So th- this isn't this isn't an accident. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it um, is is not just because of the starting lineup continuity, but I was I, I want you to just paint a picture while NBA practices and shootarounds and prep are very different from high school and or college. Um, how important is it? And how productive in winning situations, obviously, which you're familiar with and experienced, how valuable are these practice sessions, even if it's just 45 minutes to an hour, especially during the season? You know, Eric, when you watch the season, really since March 11th or so, when the season was suspended almost a year ago, you have to look at this game from a different lens now. Okay, what happened in the bubble, you have to look at from a different lens. 
-hmm. when you watch the game today, and I know those are fabulous stats that you just read, and I'm not discrediting the statistics and the numbers and all of those things, but I always have to be constantly reminded of the people that are actually doing the work, for instance. What are my realistic expectations with a seven to 10 day training camp? <laughs> it's, it's a week. What, what, what? Okay. What are my realistic expectations when I have rookies that are playing valuable minutes with a franchise? Some of them are starting. You know, you mentioned James Wiseman here, who is going to be a very nice player in this league for many years to come. This young man had no summer league, no time to prepare for this season. He didn't even play a he didn't even play an organized game a year ago. And then we throw him out here and say, well, now availability is the best ability. Okay. So what I've seen here, Eric, is the following. And I, and I say this to say the following. You know, there, I played in that shortened 50-game season. In the, in the 90s. I don't know what year it was now. 98, 99 season. Somewhere around there. And yep. we talk about these practices. At this point, Eric, you're just in survival mode. These coaches today don't have enough time to implement anything new or introduce anything new other than hopefully they will have players available to play okay hopefully they won't be injured but then on top of it you have COVID you have protocols you have all of the things that we've seen which puts it in a different perspective so all of the numbers and all of the things of why teams are winning sounds good why are the Utah Jazz winning it's very simple they're really good players and those players have been have been performing. They have really good players. This team last year, last year, Bogdan didn't even play in the bubble. Yep. And they felt that when they couldn't <laughs> close out Denver up 3-1, of course. Okay. And and let's just add and we talked about this uh, a week or two ago, they're I mean, they're shooting the heck out of the ball from 3 leading the league. Okay. Back to you. So Right now, everyone is trying to survive as best they can, okay? You know, you, you, you're, you're seeing these two-game little, you know, and I understand why they're doing those. So a team goes on a two- or three-game winning streak or whomever, but it's not – we can't look at it from the same lens as we did – as we have done historically in the past because of everything that's going on. Now – once we get to the playoffs, things will change. It will. I have no idea why, but the game always reverts back to the game in its purest form. I love the Utah Jazz. And the reason I'm saying this, I love the Utah Jazz. I love the Jazz. And every year on every team, whether you're on a good team, bad team, or indifferent team, you always have games that you can't explain. 
right? You'll hear coaches say, man, I don't understand it. We had a great week of practice, and we just came out flat. Or it'll be the other way. Star player is missing, and the team comes out and wins. You go, that doesn't make sense. Yep, yep. Okay. Now, there was a game here roughly a week or two ago that I circled to say, let me see who's who or what's what. Like, when you play the Lakers as a player or coach or an organization, you circle that game. Why? Because you get a chance to evaluate where you're where you're at. If you're playing one of the top-tier teams, you circle those games. There was a game on a Sunday afternoon, the Utah Jazz versus the Denver Nuggets in Denver. And lo and behold, the Jazz were down 30, 40 points in that game. Could you say it was an off night because they were coming off a back-to-back? Could you say that this was a was a game where they just had an off night? Well, some games you can't have an off night because you need to make a statement in a game. You can't be down 30 or 40 points against a team you know at some point you're going to see. Lose the can't game. Do it. You can yeah. lose the game. But you can't lose kicked. in the way that you lost that night. Okay, so I have real concerns about games because right now the only team that has played with this level, in my opinion, thus far, at a championship level has been the Lakers. They've been fairly consistent. They've lost some games on the road, but they're always down to the wire. They're winning the games they're supposed to win, regardless whether Anthony Davis plays or not. LeBron James is making a statement right now. He's making yep. a statement. No, it wasn't, it, out. An, it wasn't an accident last year that he or they won the championship last year. He's making a statement to say we are the best team in the league, and, and if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to come in our building and beat us because home court will be – I think tremendously valued this year, unlike it was in the bubble. Because you saw some incredible individual performances last year, but they weren't, you know, in the traditional way that we view the game where you're on the road, fans are there, so forth and so on. So I'm of the mindset of the following. I think the Jazz are playing terrific. They have the best record in the league. Right now, the Lakers are the only team that's playing championship caliber basketball on a consistent basis. Fair. Fair. That, that, that's, yep. that's what I see right now. Right yep. now. now. With those par- with those parameters. Now, yeah, it, it, they're in, it, they're right in now, it every night. They're yep. in it every night. They get down some nights. They claw their way back last night against Oklahoma City. Okay. But they still are playing the game at that level where you're saying, okay, they clearly have the depth. They have an understanding defensively. They defend every single night. And when their star players are playing at a high caliber, it's very tough to beat them. Now, you also have to look at the Clippers. Clippers have been playing. They've been playing fairly well. 
but we know what they have to overcome. And quietly, Milwaukee has just been going about their business. Been, been, they haven't jumped off to the 18-0 start like they've done over the last two years. They've just quietly, they're just there, yeah. methodically going about their business. We all know what the Nets are capable of doing with their big three. And you talk about your beloved Celtics. And those two young men, hey, anytime you, whatever team you put those two on, you got to put them in the race, right? You got to put them, they're in the game. They they have a puncher's chance (laughs) to win a series, okay? Because because those two could get hot in any series and (laughs) that pushes them over the top. So that's kind of what I think about those stats. I'm not ready to anoint a team because they're playing well right now in February. Because it's going to take more than what I've seen to beat the Lakers. It's going to take than what I've seen. You're going to have to, the Lakers now are playing with a championship confidence about themselves that I think now you're not going to just beat them. You got to you got to knock them out. You're going to have mm-hmm. to knock them out right now. And LeBron James, you know I think I said it last week. If you were saying who's the MVP at this stage of the season, 25 games in. He's been the MVP. I I don't I don't know how it's not the only he, the only other guy who would be close to me because of the start that his team has gotten off to is Joel Embiid. But LeBron has been he's been remarkable. And the other thing that we're discounting here, too, is and you said it as we started this conversation, seven to 10 day training camp. And they've got to mesh in three new key pieces to the team in Marcus Gasol, Dennis Schroeder and, and uh, Montrezl Harrell. So uh, even more credit to LeBron because those guys are all contributing and it shows how important they are now uh, with AD out for a little bit. Right. Yeah. So, great. All right. Good show. Let's just call it a day right there. <laughs> the, you know, and, and this was put together uh, by Owen Phillips and Johnny L. Thanks again for, for sharing this. Obviously, Continuity and chemistry, which is something we talk about often, especially when we're focused on what's going on between the lines of the floor, not outside of it. And that's a key. And, yeah, AD's out at the moment, but, you know, the Lakers, um, you know, continuity-wise, consistency-wise, they're, uh, they're towards the top here on this uh, terrific research. And another team that's towards the top is Charlotte who, you know, they're playing exciting basketball. I mean, yeah, they're yeah. at 500, but they're competing. And hat off to Gordon Hayward, man. He he sought out that money, and he's, you know, at the top of the week. And, uh, John, if there's a, a drastic change here, uh, let us know. But at the top of the week, 23 points a game, career high, 40 from three, Almost 50 from the floor, 85 from the line. But more importantly, LaMelo Ball 
raising his level. Terry Rozier playing well. Miles Bridges now finding some consistency. Um, Cody Zeller playing his, his butt off um, as part of the rotation. And um, they're winning games, and they're in games. So, again, continuity, my friend. Continuity, the key. And uh, great to take you, get your take on that. So, um, we had uh, we had quite a game Wednesday night. We had Trey versus Luca, um, both obviously forever tied uh, to each other because of the draft night trade in 2018. And you know it's funny. It's like all right, as soon as Luca, um, you know, just blew up on the scene first, um, everybody was like, oh, Dallas just you know they ripped off Atlanta, and. You know, Trey's raised his game to a level that I didn't think he'd be able to get to this quickly as a pro. He's been super impressive. So before we have some sort of a comparison here between who's been more impressive, um, what are you first seeing from Trey Young as far as uh, the evolution of his game and this new situation that he finds himself in in Atlanta where he's got a lot of young and exciting pieces around him and he's at the controls of this thing. You know, what well, Trey Young is coming to this league, and he's really flourished because of how the game is played. I mean, he is an exceptional ball handler. He shoots the ball with incredible range. Nice speed, change of direction, and all of those things. And the game really suits a player with his ability because how are you going to guard a player like that? Because he's shifty, he's got a nice handle, shoots with range. So he's really benefited for the way that the, the rules and the environment of today's NBA. Like most young players who come who come in this league as they're finding they would finding their way around, you know, Individually, he's he's learned something. I mean, he can score. He can put up massive numbers. You know, even though he's slight of built, he's been, I think he's been durable. Plays night in and night out. And if there's one thing that now with all of these great individual numbers he's putting up now, we're saying is when is that going to translate to winning? I mean, he's a, he's an all-star. Statistically, you know, you you can put his numbers up against any player in the league at that position. So like most young players, he has struggled to have that balance of when to score and when to run a team and find that balance where it actually equates to winning games. Because with those great numbers, with all of the individual accolades that he has received, deservingly so, now we're saying he should win now because he he is one of the better players in the league. And he's done that. He's ascended to that very quickly. I think it's going to take some time from him. Why? Because to be one of the best players in the league, you're going to have to have a foundation that's going to be built around basically, you know, you got to defend. And he's one of the smaller guards. And that has been a problem with him individually thus far. And that delicate balance, which, 
fuck, I don't know what the balance is. You know, it, you know, the guy can score 30 a night, but then he can have 15 assists. But does that 30 a night means should he be at 22 a night in order to win so that the other guys can play? I don't know what that is. So I think as he continues to figure that space the team will kind of figure out what it needs to do and what they need to do to do what all great teams and all great players figure out. Why do you play? You, you, you play to win. Now, Luca has done the same, you know, and the interesting thing about it is no one's putting the same credentials like on the Dallas Mavericks, maybe because they're in the Western Conference. None of us were – when they got to the playoffs last year, it was like, oh, they're ahead of schedule, talking about the Dallas Mavericks. It's interesting. Yeah, to I watch. mean – It's interesting. Hold yeah, on, I mean, real quick. It's interesting now, yeah. the Dallas Mavericks right now – Struggling. They're struggling. So I think this is normal, especially for young players, right? This is, the, the, we, we can't forget they're still young players. Great individual players, but they're still young players. And with young players comes time to gain the experience of how to integrate this great individual talent and put it into the team to where it becomes a win-win, right? What's the point of being a great talent if you can't win with it? So I think watching both of these young players continue to figure out what is that delicate balance that they're going to need to play with so that they can ultimately do what everyone expects them to do, which is to win games. I think that is the, that's the trick that we're all trying to find out here in Dallas and in Atlanta. Hey, John, just dump the uh, Dallas def- team defense ranking into the notes if you can. I'm curious. Um, PJ, it's interesting <clears throat> thinking about what Trey now has around him versus what Luka doesn't. <laughs> and how they're situated in these different conferences. And um, something I, when I think about Luca, and granted they won the game on Wednesday night, uh, which was a, a thriller, but in your mind, knowing what Dallas, and Dallas is 26th in t- team defense in the league, um, <clears throat> talent skill set wise, what's the first thing the Dallas Mavericks need to add? Because this is not a roster well, that Luka Doncic can get very far with, aside from getting into the seven through ten play, playoff play-in round. It's interesting that you asked that question because, you know, following the NBA, I, I you know, look, we all love Luka, right? I, I watched Luka, and my son and I this morning we were talking about Luka, and Luka is one of our favorites. You know, when you watch, how could you not? You know, he he's fun to watch. He's clever. Step back. I mean, he's he's a very entertaining player. Now, for sure. Being on a good team is a little different than just being on a an average team or being on a team that's not expected to compete or advance past the first round or, or even get to the playoffs. But being on a team, people say, well, what does Luka need around him, right? That, that seems to be like a, 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 
a narrative that's out there. Right? This guy's averaging 30 a point. He needs something around him. Well, let truth be told. This is what every great player has to figure out. What's your position? And what position can you defend? <laughs> okay. What's your position and what position can you defend? I don't need anything around Luka. Luka is going to be Luka no matter if he's playing with you and I. If, if you and I are out there on the court right now, I can't move. I don't know. Maybe you can move. Luka is still <laughs> going to get 35. He'll yep. still get 10, 11 rebounds. And, and Eric. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be corner, wide open. Yeah, I'm going to be wide open. If you put me in the corner, I know I can make that corner three. Now, I may not be right. able to do anything else. I can't play. Right. But they're, they're not going to leave you. They're going to leave me. Saying, they won't leave you. I hope they would leave me because Luka may score 100 in a game if they don't leave me. I would hope. But maybe yeah. they don't. My point being is this. Before we can start knowing what Luka needs, let's first figure out what is Luka. Is he a 6'8 point guard like Magic Johnson? Yes. Is he a 6'8, 6'9 small forward like Larry Bird? Yes. Is he a 6'8 two guard? Whatever he is. Now, whatever he is going to be, I'm going to ask what all great teams and all great players have that. What position can you defend? I don't care which one he chooses. Right. And that and that's and that's now, that's that's the challenging part. No, no, like, no. Who because, do you who do you want him on because defensively? If I I can't put I can't put him with Chris Paul. That doesn't fit, right? Because Luka needs the ball, in my opinion. I can't put him with James Harden because Luka needs the ball. Mm-hmm. So where what is Luka going to settle in and say this is what I am on the defensive end? Because he can get his numbers at the one, the two, and the three right now. Arguably, you can put him at the four because of how strong he is. Yeah. So what is he first? What is he? I don't care. What was it? Luca, you pick. Now, whatever you pick, I just want you to be able to be respectable on the other side of the ball. Because he's going to get his numbers. If he was a two, if you said he's a two, who's going to stop him? If you said he was a one, who's going to stop him? If you put him at the three, who's going to stop him? You put him at the four, who's going to stop him? But which one can you defend in the last four minutes of a playoff game? Which one can you defend without any help? That's my question. Then once he figures that out, then I can tell you what he needs. Then, because right now, they don't know because they've taken Porzingis. I don't know if you've been following, Eric. And now they've put him at the center position. <laughs> Yeah, and they're dead last the last two weeks in defensive rating, and they're 29th in the league at defense at the rim. Okay, so, so why? I, I don't like, I don't like, just to throw it out there, I don't think Porzingis at the five. Well, okay, you don't like him at the five. Okay, then let's put him at the four. The four's got to do some dirty work. He doesn't have the, he doesn't have the girth yet to do that. Everyone's going to say he's a well, stretch it, it also, it also, But it, but but it also depends on who's at the five. Well, it, Agree. It, no, no, in today's game, you can't say that because every player has to be able to score. This isn't the old NBA. I can't just put a big physical guy at the five because now you can't put Ben Wallace at the five. 
You sure. got to put someone out there who can score. Why? Because the other teams are playing with Anthony Davis and all the other guys at the five. <laughs> you, you, yeah. you, you can't just say, well, it depends. No. First, I got to figure out where is this guy going to play on the, at that end? Luka Doncic. Then, because I don't know what Porzingis is going to be, because I don't know where Luka's going to be, I can't figure out where to put Porzingis at because Porzingis is going to have to be a rim protector of some sort. I don't care if he's at the four or the five. And he's going to have to be able to do some of the dirty work because their best player is not like, he's not going to be an all-defensive player, guys. Sorry, but he's not. So before we can start adding, what what is he on that end? Now, once he settles in, okay, so we can take a player like Dirk Nowinski. Dirk Nowinski was seven feet, but he could have easily been a center. But he settled played, in. Played the four. He played the four. Now, I put Sean Marion around him. I put Tyson Chandler around him. I put Jason Kidd around De- him. Deshaun Stevenson. You put all of these things around him so that what he does well, what he doesn't do well, won't impact what he does well. I'm looking for Jokic, not Jokic, uh, Luka, to tell Luka. me what he is. And once he establishes where he's most comfortable defending, then and only then can I say, okay, Luka's going to be the two. Well, now I know what I need to do with the one. Because if he's going to be the two, well, I'm going to need ones who are going to have half size, who are going to have to be interchangeable defensive players. Why? Because why have Luka at the two if you can't switch? Why play Luka with a small guard so that we're always at a defensive when we play against Jamal Murray's and those guards? So, again, these are the questions that yeah. their best player is going to have to answer, and I think that's fair. Why is that fair? Because he... The, the team will be built around his talent. It has to be. So, yes, offensively, phenomenal, terrific, entertaining. But they're dead last in defense. They're dead last. Yeah. The reason... I'm just, I'm just thinking about, you know, let, let's just... Let, let, let's go through this exercise for a moment, right? Sure. You and, and Coach Carlisle are in the room. And you're brought in to speak with Coach about what he feels like this roster needs. You have Luca. You have Porzingis. Tim Hardaway and James Johnson are both making a combined $35 million. They come off the books at the end of this year, and they're already below the tax line. Porzingis is making $30 million next year. That contract, to me, is not movable. What are, you, what are you advising Coach Carlisle and what are you talking about in terms of the types of guys who you want to surround Luka and KP with? I think they made one good move in the offseason with bringing in Josh Richardson because I think because of his two-way versatility, he complements Luka well. He can take on the tough defensive assignments. 
But who else are you and Rick okay. Carlisle talking about? All right, but here, here's the thing: people say, that, okay, he can take on the. Tough and I get, and I get the point, it. and I get the point, and I get the point of what you're saying. Okay, with but, but Luca, but you got to decide what he is. Okay, I'm here. just thinking about how this All roster's right. constructed. Okay, if, if I can talk not as a fan right now. Now these are things that when I sure listen to the game, I get really upset about. Okay, Luca is going to break down the offensive spacing because he's a great player. You say, what does that mean, BJ? If I told Luka Doncic to play in the framework of the team and not explore his offensive capabilities. Oh, hell no. Okay. No, no, listen, just listen to me. Okay. When you have a great player, you have to give that player the freedom to be who he or she is. Luca is going to break down the spacing because he's going to penetrate, he's going to explore, he's going to do things. And when he does explore and breaks down the defense, it messes, it messes up your spacing in transition because Luka Doncic, as fun as it is to watch us watch him do his Euros and step-throughs and bumping guys off, somebody's got to get back on the other end if he misses that shot or he gets a turnover or he done something. Okay, why are you guys were all watching Michael Jordan with his tongue wagging out and doing all of those things? Someone had to get back and be in transition so that we can have the proper defensive spacing and defensive transition and all of the things so that we can be a balanced team. Luca, are you going to do it at the 1? Are you going to do that at the 2? Or are you going to do it at the three? Because all of them look different depending on how the game. If you watch a Jordan tape, it was important that Michael Jordan was a two guard. I never saw Michael Jordan having to get back on defense because he was worried about defensive transition spacing. <laughs> That was, that was you. Somebody, that was somebody else's job. <laughs> I never. Michael Jordan didn't come into the game worried about who was getting back on defense. Michael Jordan didn't worry about who he was guarding in transition. Michael Jordan didn't worry about if he was going to get the ball. He had a job to do: score points. And if he got double team and triple team. Maybe he would think about passing it because you needed to guard him with a double team. Just like Luca. You can't just guard Luca. So what I'm saying here is the following. We are going to have to build a team based on his natural instincts. Michael Jordan was secretly, this is the secret. Don't tell anybody, Eric. He was a five man who played the two position. Because he always caught the ball below the free throw line with the live dribble. He didn't come out like, like these guys out front playing around with the ball and isoing. And, no, he caught the ball, one, two dribbles. He's at the basket dunking it, pull up, post, whatever he did. He caught the ball below the free throw line with the live dribble. Now, so now Scottie Pippen had to worry about the other things like getting back on defense, B.J. Armstrong, John Paxson, Steve Kerr. <laughs> if Horace Grant or Dennis Rodman, as great as Dennis Rodman was, the other guys, 
oh, maybe that's why Tony Kukoc was playing, because if Michael caught the ball, everybody had to get in the spacing to keep the balance on the floor. Where can we utilize Luka Doncic? I don't know. I don't <laughs> pretend to understand the game today like I did yesterday because they play different now. Why? Why they play different? Because no one in that era was allowed to dribble five times and then figure out what they're going to do. <laughs> like Slightly James different. Harden will dribble Slightly 30 different. times on a possession. Luka Doncic yep. will dribble 25 or 30 th- on a possession. I love watching Kyrie and Steph Curry, but I've never seen people dribble like this. And now let's figure out what he is first. So then we can maximize who he's going to be. That's very important. All of the numbers and all of the stuff. Okay, that sounds great. Sounds good. I'm, okay, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Step back, double step back. I love it. Highlights good. Luca's the man. Luca Don. He's the whatever. Okay. But when I look at the game, technically speaking, I'm going, no, that ain't right. See, because when I watch LeBron, the game is right. He's integrated his talent to figure out this is what I do. And this is what I can do and I can win. The game has to be right. I don't know if the numbers say that. The numbers just give me the stats. Oh, it's true shooting. Okay, that's fine. But when I look at the game, I go, oh, that's not right. And I I know how to attack that. So I'm saying all of this. Luca has a big question to answer. So that Rick Carlisle and 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 Mark Cuban and Donnie Nelson and all these guys can all agree, okay, Luca, this is who you are. Now let's do it. Love it. So I, I think this is going to be a nice theme for February. It's a title of the new segment. It's called The Luca Project. So I'll be back with more research next week. This is great. This is great. And, you know, visualizing the triangle and visualizing that court balance and... You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but Michael would either get the ball on the pair side below the free throw line, or he'd get the ball on the triangle side, right off of that, uh, right off of that block, uh, more often than not, to to then operate, and everyone is spacing, cutting, and moving from there. Well, not to go yeah. on a, a deep triangle convo now, but no, I'm just, no. But you can. But uh, there's been two players that have been wing players that have played in a system, okay, that have played at a very elite level. It's been Michael, and then there's been Kobe Bryant from the wings position, from the wing positions, okay? There's yep. been a system, there's been Tim Duncan. When you have these great individual players that can play in a system, okay, that can play in, not like today where they're more just individual players, individual talents. They're just calling a play, three down, two up, yep. okay? These players learn how to manipulate the defense and take advantage of the team. Some nights they'll be like, okay, I'm going to play on the strong side. Oh, but against this team, I'm going to play on the weak side. Tonight, I'm going to play from the post. This night, I might play from the mid-range. I might play at the elbow. Oh, this is where I need to go where the defense can't get me. These players were playing a different game than when that when you, what you see today. Today, I'm going to give this guy the ball. I'm going to give Kevin Durant the ball, and he's going to go make a play, and we're going to go, oh, wow. 
We're going to give the ball yeah. to Jason Tatum. So, so today, we're not seeing as much five-on-five five basketball or systematic basketball than you see today because of the individual you know, the, the, the individual talents and the complete obsession with the Listen, pick and roll. Absolutely. If you don't know what to do, just go set a screen for the guy. Well, for us, that, that wasn't, no, no, I'm going to catch the ball already in an operating area. A screen roll. That's just easy. Like, like in my way of thinking, I'm going, okay, like, that's just easy. That's just like lazy. Like, you, all right, well, you don't know what else to do. Just go set a screen. Agree. But Agree. in our way of playing, I want to catch the ball in an operating area where when I catch it, I can shoot it, I can pass it, or I can drive it, and I can do everything in one or two dribbles, max. Like, that to me is like, that's like a refined way of playing the game. Like, it's just efficient. You're moving the ball to get the ball in an operating area so that when you pass that ball to that person, that person is already has a penetrating pass. Like, that to me is way more fun than just, like, getting it and then dribbling it, and then you don't know what to do, and then you just, someone hollers red, and you come over, set a screen, you go, oh, my God, step back three, okay? Like, yeah, it's not even take it. It's, 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 it's not even, cl- it's not even yeah. close comparing what's more enjoyable to watch. Obviously. Yeah, so, but, the again, it, it is, I'm not knocking the game. Are, yeah. It just is what it is. So, in saying that, you know, getting back, I just want to get back to our, I'm interested, just as interested as anyone else to find out what Luka Doncic is going to be and where he's going to settle into. And I, I think it'll be, I, I think it's going to be a fun, it would be a fun project because I think it's a big question. Two more things, BJ. The Spurs, 14-11 as of Thursday, February 11th. DeMar DeRozan, uh, Statistically, career year, uh, career high in assists, true shooting percentage, free throw percentage, um, has made um, almost as many threes this year as the past two years combined. So I view San Antonio as this team who's in a really interesting situation here where they've got DeMar, they've got Patty Mills who's still playing well, they have LaMarcus Aldridge, and then they have this crop of young players, um, DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson. So, BJ, I have to ask you this. If you're the Spurs right now as an organization, are you keeping this thing together to stay in the playoff race? Or are you going to move DeMar DeRozan, potentially, who's on an expiring deal? I just want you to put your GM hat on, knowing the landscape of the West, the young talent they have, and DeMar coming off the books at the end of the year. You know, Eric, that's a great question. And you look at these Thank teams, and, and, and I think it's a fair question. But every question deserves an answer when you look at it holistically. As long as Greg Popovich is sitting on the sideline and coaching, he deserves, as every coach in my opinion, but I'm just a guy, deserves an opportunity to try to win that game. As long as he's sitting on the sideline, the Spurs should – and I think they owe, out of respect, to give him the opportunity to try to win and be the best team that they can be, right? Everybody, everybody can't win a championship, but at least you, he deserves that opportunity to say, you know what, this is the best team we can put together this year. These are the best group of guys. But 
at his age and what he's achieved in his career, I don't see any reason why he would go through a rebuild at this stage of his life. Like that doesn't great even, point. Great point. That doesn't I mean, even that doesn't even come into. First of all, I don't think that even comes into the Spurs' way of thinking. Yep. Let alone Greg Popovich. So I can't see trusting the process down in San Antonio with Greg Popovich leading the charge. So I want to say this. That, you know what? This is the team we have. And I think there is joy of knowing that everybody in that locker room, whether you win a championship or not, of knowing that you did your best. There's, certain, there's a certain amount of self-satisfaction that comes with that. And yeah, you didn't win a team, but you can look at everybody and say, hey, we achieved our potential as a team. That, to me, is what... Yeah. Was that, that, it, there's a certain... Like, I've been on teams that, that, uh, where I felt that, and you're like, yeah, we didn't win the championship, but you know what? I got a connection with those group of guys because we all bought in to what we were doing. So I think for Greg Popovich, that's where he's at in his career. He still Great enjoys point. coaching. He still enjoys competing. And more importantly, you know what? Let's see what this team can achieve. So I don't see him deferring or going in a different direction at this stage. And honestly, I, I, I don't think out of respect, I think you got to give him that because he, I mean, look, he's held the game in a very high place. And I, I think you, he should he should have that opportunity to continue to do that. And however, wherever they, you know, wherever they finish, they finish. But at least give him an opportunity to go out there and play and compete. And and however they end up, they end up. Hopefully that's a team that continues to play this well and ends up in the 7-10 to 10 playoff or potentially a, a 5 or 6 seed. So we'll see. Um, last item, the weekend ahead. I'm going to list the five matchups I picked out. You're going to pick the one that you view as... Appointment television, feet up, couch, three-course meal, and you're doing nothing but oh, wow. being glued to meal. that game. A three-course okay, meal. Let's do a three-course right. meal. Here are your choices. Okay, go. Pelicans, Mavericks. Pelicans Grizz- versus Mavs. Okay. Grizzlies, Grizzlies, Lakers. Okay. Sixers, Suns. Nets, Warriors, Lakers, Nuggets. Nets, Warriors... And who's the last one? Lakers Nuggets. Caveat, I have Nets Warriors listed with the assumption that Kevin Durant will be back on the floor. Playing in a fanless okay. Warriors um, arena. Let's go down this list quickly. Let's let's do it. Um, what is it? What 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 what, what what's, what's I just want question? you to pick one that you're going to give your full attention on and make a night out of. Which game? Grizzlies, Lakers, 76ers, Suns, Nets, Warriors, Lakers, Nuggets. Lakers, Nuggets? That's that's the Lakers, choice? Nuggets. Lakers, Nuggets. Going to get my full attention. Okay. Reason being is the Lakers want to make sure that the Nuggets don't have any confidence mm. to beat them. Okay. When you, you know, I, I, I've been on both sides. When you're playing the team, you know you got to go through. There's no doubt. I don't care what happened last game. I don't care what happens after that game. 
I'm coming for that game. The Nuggets right now know if they're going to win a championship this year, it's going to go through L.A. Now, are, are, is Coach Malone and those guys going to say that publicly? No. But I can tell the way they play the Lakers that those guys are fired up. And they really believe that they can beat the Lakers. They really believe it. But the Lakers know that they can't let up and give the Nuggets any type of confidence because it's tough to win in Denver, first of all. But Jokic and Jamal Murray are very capable of winning a game. They're young enough. And then Michael Porter Jr. and and all of the other guys there, they're young enough to do it. <laughs> okay? Yep. The Lakers have more experience, but they're young enough to do it. So that game, I expect to be played at a very high level. I think there will be a lot of gamesmanship going on, which I love during the regular season. And more importantly, I think the Lakers want to make sure that the Nuggets, that they can keep them down. So um, out of all the games, that's the one I'll be looking forward to and and seeing. And um, I, hopefully it'll be a very entertaining game. Good stuff, buddy. Good stuff. Um, for me, and obviously the question was for you, but for me, um, I want to watch Phoenix and Philly because I've never seen those teams match up playing quality ball. <laughs> and Monty Williams, Doc Rivers, um, and, uh, you know, Monty's interview last night, uh, I guess going into the fourth quarter, like I just love what he had to say. And he also has one of the best voices in the game. I mean, you talk about a baritone. And then you got Doc on the other side who's constantly hoarse and losing his voice. And I know what the respect level is with those guys. So uh, that's something on the radar as well. But great show today, my friend. We went a little longer than our 45-minute uh, prediction. We're coming in at a smooth 102. But this was terrific. <laughs> Special thanks, as always, to the team. Mike Lieber, the one and only Bruce Bernstein. Johnny L on the producing side. Editor Kristen Woolley. And the entire Pure Hoops family. Mondays, the Mike Wise Show. Tuesdays, full court with Fisher and Kay talking college hoops. Wednesdays is Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong. Thursdays, Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with superstar Monica McNutt now doing Sports Center appearances. Incredible. Along with King McClure, who's broadcasting games for ESPN on the college front. And Fridays, the Pure Podcast with BJ Armstrong and yours truly, Eric Newman. Stay safe. Share this show with your friends. Stay healthy. Stay pure. Have a great weekend. Thanks, everybody. The Pure Hoops Podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. 